Hey friends, did you know that you can come hang out with me in real life? That's right. The Work In Podcast and Savage Grace Coaching makes its home in a boutique studio space called The Loft Yoga and Wellness in historic downtown Spring Valley, Ohio. This hidden gem of the Miami Valley is nestled in between Dayton, Columbus, and Cincinnati. As a part of my mission to bring a legacy of resilience through movement, each month you can join me for a hike on the bike trail, followed by a free trauma-informed vinyasa class back at the studio on Main Street. Go to savagegracecoaching.com to see the calendar and join my newsletter, A Yoga Life on Main Street, to stay up to date on all the latest studio news, events, and gossip. And now... On to this week's episode. It's time to stop working out and start working in. You found the Work In Podcast for fitpreneurs and their health conscious clients. This podcast is for resilient wellness professionals who want to expand their professional credibility, shake off stress, and thrive in a burnout proof career with conversations on the fitness industry, movement, nutrition, sleep, mindset, nervous system health, yoga, business, and so much more. I'm your host, Erica Thomas. I'm a resilience coach and fitpreneur offering an authentic, actionable, realistic approach to personal and professional balance for coaches in any format. The Work In is brought to you by Savage Grace Coaching, bringing resilience through movement, action, and accountability. Private sessions, small groups, and corporate presentations are available now. Visit savagegracecoaching.com to schedule a call and get all the details. Hi there, everyone, and welcome back to The Work In. Today, we are going to be talking about how to filter the clickbait fads out of your diet. The fitness industry is notorious for fads, fad equipment, fad formats, especially fad diets and supplements. Each one of these comes with claims that this will finally be the thing that will give you the results you've been searching for. Even if nothing you've tried has worked before, this, this will. Every few years, there's new science, new understanding, new technology, new supplements, and it can be as overwhelming for fitness professionals as it is for our clients. So how do we filter and curate that information in meaningful ways while staying within our scope of practice? That's our work in today, and we're going to start with the diet piece. One of the first things I learned when I got certified to teach cardio kickboxing way back in the day was that that certification was woefully inadequate. And here's why. When you stand in front of a room to teach any kind of fitness, the people there expect you to be some kind of expert, no matter what the format, but they don't really care about how to kick and punch or alignment or heart rate necessarily. Yes, those things are important, but that's not really why they're there. They're really there because they want to feel different. And eventually they're going to realize that one hour with you two to three times a week isn't going to cut it. And that's when you're going to get 
the nutrition questions, the stress questions, the sleep questions, the recovery questions, the weight loss questions. And that goes way beyond kicks and punches, right? Way beyond that eight count choreography. For me, I started getting those questions basically from day one, and that's where my continuing education pursuits began. I realized I needed to be able to stay current on the most current recommendations and the science in exercise and fitness. I didn't really realize how challenging that was going to be. As a certified fit pro of any kind, whether it's group fitness or personal trainer or health coach or whatever you are, you're taught mostly what to teach physically, maybe some behavior change if you're lucky, almost no communication skills, and that anything outside of that is outside of your scope. But we know that most of what makes people healthy or unhealthy happens outside of their time with us. For most certifications, when it comes to nutrition, unless you are a registered licensed dietitian, all you're allowed to do is share the government's dietary guidelines. And we all know that government guidelines are not known for having our best interest at heart. In fact, If you just look at the historical progression of the food pyramid, you'll see that. It's no wonder, knowing what we know now, that we have an epidemic of obesity, metabolic disease, and non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, not to mention the mental health crisis in this country. Add to that that they only sort of update those recommendations from the government every five years, and you can see how not up-to-date they really are. So it's up to us as fit pros to seek out and filter the latest science for effective results for our clients. If we don't, We are really doing our industry a disservice and losing relevance as frontline health and wellness providers, which I would argue we are. I was chatting the other day with a group of my cycling team about what we were eating and drinking, and the subject of beer came up as a recovery drink. Now, we had just finished several days of riding on Ragbri, and we're about to do several more, and it was hot, and we were tired, and it was a good conversation to have. I just mentioned that alcohol was actually a poison, and the calories can only be metabolized in the liver, and that fructose was exactly the same, that the body doesn't really know what to do with fructose, And that was why people were getting non-alcoholic fatty liver disease because they drink liquid sugar and 50% of that sugar is fructose. I was absolutely shocked to learn that one of my teammates had been diagnosed with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And the only thing his doctor had to offer him was to lose weight. No mention of the mechanism of how or why this happened or anything behind the disease, or how diet and nutrition changes can reduce or reverse that. It seems to me that that information should fall within the scope of a medical professional's practice, but apparently not. 
What kind of healthcare is that? Now, the fitness industry is constantly studying the human body, how to optimize everything about it, the physical mechanisms, as well as the mind-body connections to physiologic responses, including placebo effects. Out of these studies, we have learned so much, and along the way, we've gotten all kinds of fads. You might remember the grapefruit diet. That's the oldest one that I remember because my mom did it when I was a kid. It is based in science. There's a compound in grapefruit that suppresses appetite. But no one today would recommend anyone only eat grapefruit because it isn't complete nutrition. Things like this are a great example of how science can be twisted and misinterpreted. So it's not necessarily untrue, but it isn't something that we would only want to do all by itself. It's also an example of how badly we're seeking that magic pill, that one thing that's going to work. Another thing that comes straight out of the lab is the calorie is a calorie mantra. I used to think this and say this and believe this. And technically it is true. It's It basically means that it doesn't matter what you eat. If you eat fewer calories than you burn, you will lose weight. And if you eat more, then you'll gain weight. If everything is equal, then your weight stays the same. And that happens in a lab. But as we know, weight isn't an accurate measure of health per se. And in the human body, there are a lot more variables that can affect your outcome. Your hydration level for one, your hormone balance for another, your insulin sensitivity for another, your gut health for another. And of course, there is the type of activity that you do or you don't do that will affect what happens in the body. Now, when people start making changes to their health and fitness, they aren't starting from a clean system, a clean slate. The human body is an adaptation machine that wants more than anything else to keep you alive. Not necessarily in the best shape of your life, just alive. And that means you may have lots of systems on high alert that can be working against your goals, but for you. So as a fitness professional, or a regular person, how do you filter out all of these fad diets, these fad science information, all the clickbait out there, and find a nutrition plan that's going to support you for the rest of your life? For me, this has always meant being my own guinea pig when it comes to my plate. I don't feel like I'm special. I'm really just a regular person. So I feel like I can be objective or I try to be when it comes to the results that I see, whether I can get results at all, and then I can give an honest evaluation of the things that I have tried when people ask me. And I do try to limit that um, that recommendation, those discussions to things that I have direct experience with. I've spoken before on this podcast and in other places about the diets that I have tried, 
And so I'll share a few of those with you. So I, like most of us, started out with the high-carb standard American diet that we were raised on here in this country. And that sort of naturally flows into this low-fat calorie counting way of looking at food that comes straight out of the USDA government recommendations. I did try Atkins for like three hours and hated it at the time. And um, resulting gut issues led me to uh, the clean diet and then into the Whole30, paleo, vegetarian, keto. I've tried intermittent fasting in many, many different forms. All of those, those things. And over the course of years... I've kept things about each of these and let go of things that I didn't feel really served me. In other words, I applied my own personal filter to what these nutrition plans offered. And what I want to share with you today is some of the things that I have taken from these experiences that I still feel comfortable sharing with clients and with other people that I know, and that I feel like really are within my scope of practice as a health coach, as a fitness instructor. So You can take that for what it's worth, but there are 10 of these things, and I'm just going to go through each one of them and uh, feel free to steal them, you know, and maybe you agree with them, maybe you don't. But number one, number one is what and when you eat and drink affects everything from your nervous system and body composition to your mental health and hormones. And this is an important point to not only understand yourself, but to convey to clients because it gives control and power back to them, right? It gives you control and influence over how you're feeling. Because if you know that everything that you are putting into your body is causing some sort of effect, now you have some levers, some buttons that you can push, that you can change, and um, things that you can do to experiment with, right? You have things that you can experiment with. And, and if you're paying attention, if you've got some awareness there, you can, you can note those things. What works? What doesn't work for you? Number two, supporting your gut health means eating things that you might not like, but that make it easier for your body to do its job. And it only takes 28 days to reset your microbiome. And it's worth every single one of those days. Gut health is really integral to pretty much everything in the human body. And so even if you are someone who doesn't think your gut is an issue for you, just know that it is working really, really hard for you. Number three, grow up. Green leafy vegetables and cruciferous vegetables are the fiber and the prebiotics that your gut needs to heal itself, that your immune system needs to optimally perform for you. And so you need to find a way to eat them. I I absolutely do not accept from any adult the excuse that they just don't like vegetables. That's BS. 
I'm sorry, you are a grown adult, not a child. And you need to get over yourself. These things are necessary for um, optimal gut health. And we need them. Not to mention the micronutrients that they provide. Number four, carbohydrates are not essential. Protein is. Think essential amino acids. Amino acids are the building blocks of protein. And whenever you hear the word essential, it means that the body cannot make them itself. It needs to be given them. And if you do not have enough of them, it's going to trigger some kind of survival response at some level within the body. All right. And so if you are a vegetarian, you need to educate yourself about amino acids and how to get the appropriate amounts in combination into the body because there are very few plant sources of protein that are complete amino acids. And so this is going to take a little bit more work for vegetarian and vegans, um, but it's definitely doable. All right. So I don't, don't, don't mistake me, uh, in saying that we should never, uh, we shouldn't be vegetarian or vegan. Like, I don't care what your, (laughs) what your diet dogma is, right. We're going to talk about that in a minute, but, um, but you need to get enough protein and most, most people, most Americans and most women, I would say, uh, fail at getting high enough protein And along with that protein comes um, healthy fat levels. So something to think about, no carbohydrate, even complex carbohydrate is necessary for optimal human function. And so if you're going to cut back somewhere, that's where it can easily be done. Number five, dehydration will stall any results that you are looking for or that you're hoping for. And it's much easier to get dehydrated than you think it is. And so if you, um, if you feel like you're someone who just doesn't like water, I want to refer you back to number three and tell you to just grow up. You need fluid that is non-alcoholic and non-caffeinated on a regular basis. So do what you need to do to get that uh, to, to get that water, whether that means throwing some uh, lemon juice in there, squeeze a lemon juice, or maybe a pinch of Himalayan sea salt, something, anything. Um, but watch the amount of sugar that goes into that glass. So some people will say, well, I'm trying to rehydrate myself and they're drinking uh, orange juice or um, fruit juice or Kool-Aid or whatever it is, or Gatorade. So yeah, Gatorade is great if you're going to go ride 90 miles on a bicycle, but, and you have a a high enough, um, um, muscle to be able to handle the sugar load there, but that's not something for regular people to drink. It's far too high in sugar and fructose. Um, so be aware that when you are drinking calories, particularly sugar calories, that is a very dangerous thing to do. Water is your best bet. Number six, how you eat is like your religion. And this has, uh, this 
kind of touches into a little bit of self-awareness. Nobody wants to change their religion. I'm not asking you to, but if food is your religion, you need to really look hard about hard at that. What you think and believe about what you eat really does matter. And there are some really great scientific um, studies that show that. So small changes here, just in how you think about what you're eating, what you think about um, what you're eating, um, can lead to really big changes in your results and on your plate, what you choose to put in front of you. Number seven, you have plenty of energy in your body. You don't need to have something in your stomach every two hours. If you are feeling a crash, an energy crash, it's most likely because your insulin and blood sugar are out of whack. Potentially you have moved yourself into insulin resistance. I can say this because I was one of these people who thought that I needed to eat every two hours because I would just, I would literally crash. And why that was, was because I was eating such high carbohydrates. If you cut back on the sugar, the pure sugar, the processed sugar and the processed carbohydrates that you are consuming and replace them with healthy fats and high quality protein and fruits and vegetables with lots of fiber in them, that crash will go away. You need to give your gut a break so that it can rest. (laughs) It doesn't need to work so hard throughout your day. Number eight. Oh, that is number eight. Your gut needs to rest. So let's talk about this fasting piece. Fasting overnight is a natural thing for human beings. Your brain and your body and your gut needs an empty stomach to be able to recover and repair overnight. The eight-hour window that you hear about in intermittent fasting was based on some lab tech who was given a schedule by his significant other that he could not be in the lab longer than eight hours a day. And so that's what that study is based on. It it doesn't mean that for intermittent fasting, everyone only has eight hours to eat during the day. It's literally that eight hour window is not for everyone. You can play with that time and find something that works for you in your day. Being a little bit hungry is totally okay. And it is really important for your stomach to be empty when you go to sleep at night. There are a lot of hormones at play that help us to sleep at night, that help us to get us into those sleep deep sleep cycles and REM cycles, and you can disrupt that with insulin, which is is kicked out by the body um, every time you take a bite of food. And so it's really, really important to keep all of your consumption of food during the day um, and let yourself empty that stomach a good three to four hours prior to going to sleep. Number nine, highly restrictive diets aren't sustainable long-term, but you can use them to cycle. Remember, the adaptability of the human body is incredible. And what that means is when we put ourselves under a little bit of stress and then take that stress away, like 
you can do with some of these restrictive diets like keto and Whole30, um, that can trigger some really great uh, adaptations to stress. We can build resilience that way. So we can use these things as tools, but we all need some variety. And and I don't know about you guys, but I want to be able to enjoy food. And so, yes, some restriction sometime is great, but we don't have to live like that forever unless you love it. You know, if you love that, um, that very restrictive type of prescribed diet, go for it. Um, just know that you have and should be able to change and shift the types of things that you're eating and the food that you're eating, as long as it's whole food, as clean as you can get it um, throughout your life. Because what 25-year-olds need is not the same as what 50-year-olds need, right? So we we can kind of flow with that. And then finally, number 10. This is really important. I want to encourage all of you with number 10. You are the expert in your own body. There are a lot of ways to get results that you're looking for. They don't have to be the same as anyone else. You can experiment. If something doesn't work for you, try something else, but don't quit. You don't have to go all or nothing. You can start with small changes integrate those, and then build on those changes. And the ones that stick the best, the ones that work for the longest are the ones that you can feel right away. So we want to feel better. You are worth the time and attention it takes to figure out how to be comfortable, healthy, strong, and balanced in your own skin. So try it. These are the things I share with clients when they come to me asking about what's the best diet for this, that, or the other. I share my experiences and most importantly, my failures. And that's where you really learn. And I believe fit pros can and should lead by example for their clients. We are no different. We simply stand at the front of the room. And as far as the fad clickbait nature of things that come and go in the fitness industry, my rule of thumb always is that I never want to be the first one to drink the Kool-Aid, but I definitely don't want to be the last one. And so that leads me into what we'll be discussing next time on the work in, which is supplements and what works, what doesn't, and how to really stay within your scope in a really tempting area of fitness. So I want to thank you so much for listening today. If you like what you heard and you want to learn a little bit more, I have lots of free resources for you over on savagegracecoaching.com. If you're a fit pro and are curious about co-regulation for coaches, you can find my free guide to holding space there as well. And if you would be so kind, be sure to follow and like and give me a five-star review for this podcast so others can find their work in. Thanks so much for joining me today, guys, and I will see you next time.